And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep on making animated Star Wars, Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast talking about something Star Wars. In this episode... Obi-Wan and Tala have to rescue Leia from the clutches of Reva by infiltrating a dangerous place for Jedi, Fortress Inquisitorious. There will be Looney Tunes coach shenanigans, Obi-Wan is getting his groove back, and we gotta pour one out for dear old Camel Joe. We are talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 4 this week. I'm Hope, and how you doing, Chris? Camel Joe is way too slow. I have a lot of feelings about that, which we will definitely get into eventually. But it definitely hit me a little bit harder this time around because I've been reading The High Republic. And he's definitely in The High Republic. So I'm like, you survived like 250 years. And he's young in that too. They're just like, that young Tara Sanube. And he didn't make it. And it hurts my feelings. I'm not okay. Well, he had a good run. He did. And he's so slow that that must have felt like a thousand years, you know, There a are, slow guy like that. There's actually a lot of theories floating around, because the last time we saw him in Clone Wars, he was with Gunji's group, who we, and we just saw Gunji in Bad Batch. So, a lot of thoughts is that he sacrificed himself so Gunji and his friends could get away. Like, that is a very prominent theory right now. And there's also a lot of theories that he's the one that got Grogu out as well. Because he was known to work with younglings, and Gunji was still a youngling then. Well, they focused in on his character in this one, so maybe that could be so. Yeah. So, maybe he's the one that saved Grogu and the younglings. Like, we could get a flashback in Season 3 of Mando of, like, Tara Sanube handing Gunji Grogu, and it's just like, run, I'll hold them off. <laughs> I would cry so much. <laughs> I would not be okay. So, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. But it's it, it was probably one of the most shocking moments of this entire show. Like, that, and we'll, we'll definitely talk about it. But, uh, how you doing this week, Chris? Not bad, not bad. Chris, has, Chris was telling me about how he started watching The Last of Us. Yeah, it's good. It's very, it's very good. It's um, still on my list. I haven't quite got to it yet. I, um, I'm not familiar with the video game at all. Um, there's points where you can tell it it was made from a video game, but that's not really a, anything against it since video games are so like so much like movies these days anyway. How many times have we said like Clone Wars episodes or like episode two is just like this is like the video game level? Yeah, and well, those ones aren't even like the video games like The Last of Us, which are the story of video games. Those ones are just like sheer, just like battle video, you know, where you're like in a, in a, just in a battle zone fighting something, you know. You got to get past this like puzzle by jumping over these things and doing stuff. This has the like, the way a story plays out in a video game, you know. Like, where you'll be watching the cutscene, and then all of a sudden you're back in control of it, you know? 
And there's been a couple of scenes in there where I'm like, okay, this would be the scene, this would be the part of the cutscene where like you would start playing the game again, you know? <laughs> yeah. And they do this. <laughs> so it's 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 an interesting. It's very well acted and very well written and directed, and the special effects are gorgeous. The only thing I don't like about any new shows is they all have the Game of Thrones beginning. You know, a sort of just sort of stylized, you know, this one, it's fungus growing and, you know, the same sort of music that has a boom, 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 driving sort of, you know, um, theme with with some Celtic strings in the background. Are you talking about like the title credits? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my I don't, God. I don't like the way they do it. All the title credits look the same of everything. It, I mean, this it basically looks like the title credits of when I was watching Lovecraft Country and Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead. And... The Crown does that. And if I must say, this, this latest season of The Crown really sucks. I am not enjoying it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to date all these, sh- you know, it's going to be like the 70s shows where it's like bad bad like you see a person like freeze and like while they're pointing at you at this you know pointing out of the screen you know or the 90s when it's like they're doing something and they turn and they just like shake their head at the camera just like yeah, everywhere yeah. Hey, you look. <laughs> crazy times uh 90210 you're in my house hey <laughs> hey mom spilled the cereal what are you gonna do yeah that's why i yeah yeah i definitely know what you're talking about um i've noticed that because i don't watch too many live action shows what what was the other one um westworld does it too they all do it they all do it The, the star trek discovery does it they're all doing it yeah, luckily cartoons don't do that. I enjoy everybody's, everybody's <laughs> doing it, doing it, doing it, picking their nose and chewing it, chewing Ew, it. We're starting off classy tonight. School? That was a that was a school bus rhyme in in my day. Speaking of like school bus rhymes, legit. As I was cleaning up dinner tonight, I definitely, for some ungodly reason, got the ants go marching one by one in my head and i sang the entire thing as i was cleaning and i don't know why or where it came from and then it was gone weird weird antworm not an earworm but an antworm (laughs) Antworm. i guess it would be an ear ant ear ant an errant an errant (laughs) ear ant oh my cat just farted oh oh cat farts are the i would argue that cat farts are the worst they're, they're pretty dog. bad. Dogs are dog farts are bigger and more room clearing, but cat farts they're they linger and they little... do it so rarely that when you do smell it, you're just like, oh my god. Well, she's a fart hypocrite because she hates it when we if if you fart with the cat on your lap, she just hops right off immediately and gives you a bad look and then runs out of the room. So she's being a hypocrite right now. Um, I. I had a pretty good week. I've been working on some stuff for the waffles, our, especially our YouTube. So I recorded um, a video about the Vampire Chronicles show, an uh, interview with the vampire with my friend. I am about to record on Sunday with a very special guest. Um, 
the uh, review of season two of Legends of Vox Machina. So I've learned how to use like StreamYard. So I, I'm very excited about that. So I can do cool things on YouTube on my own. So all that's over on the waffles. And yeah, I also got to watch two thirds of a very solid, mediocre musical. Oh, it Elvis, was Elvis one. No, no, no. An actual musical that only ran for a few weeks on Broadway because it was bad and it dropped. And so I was watching a bootleg version because Megan made me do it. And I'm a good friend. Don't let anyone ever tell you differently. I'm a good friend. And she wanted me to watch it. So we watched about the first two thirds of Lestat the Musical written, oh, by, Elton, written by Elton John. Oh, wow. And it it is. It is. It's. A very solid, mediocre musical about the life of the vampire Lestat. Because Elton John was a big Anne Rice fan. And he w- they were like, here's all the money, Elton John, write a musical. And he went, okay. The tone of, like, all the songs is all over the place. So, like, we're- he's talking about dying and having to murder. But the music is just like, and I'm like Elton John. Why? Isn't this is a horrible his... moment. Yeah, but that's uh, that's how Elton John does it. Elton John's always been a theater kid, you know. Come on. I know. And I, I think Bernie Toppin is dead. But when he was doing stuff with Bernie Toppin, it was even more I, so. Have I you ever heard he was... "Love Lies Bleeding"? I think Bernie Toppin is the other writer of. Lisa oh really? Musical. Oh, I thought I, he was I... dead. Hold on, because this came out in like I think like 2000. Three, two thousand, two thousand five. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was uh, the scores Elton John and Bernie Taupin in the book was with the Wolverton. That explains a lot. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. And Bernie Taupin is still alive. Just FYI. Oh, okay. Okay, I thought he was dead. I, I, I swear to God, I thought he was dead. But. Yeah, uh, I can say that Claudia's song slaps. So if you want to hear a good song from it, look up I Want More because that song's so good. And the rest of it is a solid, mediocre portrayal of uh, what should not be that. So, yeah, it's very campy and I'm enjoying it. Once Megan gets back from a trip, we'll finish the musical. So then I'll get to see the end. So that was my week. A lot of cool work stuff, and then I watched a mediocre, mediocre musical about vampires. <laughs> so, Excellent. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, speaking of this week, hey, Kenobi, what did you think of this episode, part four? I liked it better than I thought I was going to. I, I thought, liked it better than I remembered it, maybe. I, I thought next week's episode was this week's. So when I turned it on, and I was like, oh my god, it's the Fortress Inquisitorious episode. I was like, yay, okay. Because I thought uh, it was next week's. And next week's episode, I remember just being kind of like, eh. Yeah, like sort of like the stuff they have to do to get it to the last two episodes, basically, or the last episode. Yeah, it was, it's the definitely like the transition episode. So, but I, I was, so I was very pleasantly surprised because I was like, yeah, I like everything here. This is fun. So the only thing that I didn't really, I only really have one part where I'm just like, I'm on the fence about this plot choice. And I don't know how I feel about it. So, yeah. But other than that, I liked it, so. Mm. You ready to get into it? I am. I was just going to ask you what that plot point was, but then I thought to myself, ah, we'll find out soon enough. It's good to have a little mystery in life. 
it yeah it, it's just one of those things even where though I'm i like, could scroll ahead and like read your notes <laughs> and find out i won't do that it's, it's just one of those things where you have this character in this situation and i feel like something different should have happened and i don't know but i also understand why it didn't happen so i don't know i'm we'll get there <laughs> we'll and now I will never talk about it ever again. You all have to speculate about it. Haha. <laughs> no, I won't do that to you. Anyway, you ready? Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 4 aired on Disney Plus on June 8th, 2022. It was written by Joby Harold and Hannah Friedman, and it was directed by Deborah Chow. Some extra information for you. Colin Roken is played by O'Shea Jackson Jr. His other works include Godzilla King of the Monsters, the upcoming the upcoming Cocaine Bear, which I do kind of want to see because the trailers are all insane. Um I like there's a lot I I have a feeling um it's going to be something similar to the man who killed Big Hitler and Bigfoot or something like that, which is it's pro- uh, like the writer, the writer, whoever wrote it, and the, the writer and the director have both done really good movies. So it might be a really good movie. <laughs> See, I want it to be like just like solid B grade snakes on a plane level of movie. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be surprisingly better written than that. And they gave it that name to make it sound like something that goes straight to the red box, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. Um, and he also pl- portrayed his father, rapper Ice Cube, in his debut uh, in his debut film, Straight Outta Compton. Silly Stark is played by Maya Erskine, and Wade uh, Rosillian is played by Ryder McLaughlin. Tala's last name of Durith is never said out loud in the series, but it does appear in this episode in the security monitor as she pressures her way into the inner chambers of Fortress Inquatorius. The way that Obi-Wan infiltrates infiltrates Fortress Inquatorius. Fortress Inquatorius is very hard to say over and over. <laughs> the way that Obi-Wan infiltrates Fortress Inquisitorius is very similar to how Cal Kestis does it in the game Jedi Fallen Order. We also get to see purge troopers who were specially who were specialty stormtroopers used by the Inquisitorius that aided in the hunt for Jedi in Jedi Fallen Order as well. The tomb with all the Jedi, is a nod to the use of a Jedi corpse as a lure for survivals by Inquisitors in Season 1 of Star Wars Rebels. The odd modes of dress seen among the bodies include non-Jedi Force-sensitives as well, and those Jedi who were in hiding when they were defeated. Those those in tradition, those in traditional Jedi garb were presumably... Blah, 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 blah. Those in traditional Jedi garb were presumably killed during or close to Order 66. And among the bodies are Coleman Kajak from the Jedi Council in Revenge of the Sith, and our dear, sweet, amazing Camel Joe from Clone Wars, Tara Sanube. And that is the last piece of background information. I, I, I wanted to be here to remind you all that here on J-Guys and Jedi... Camel Joe has been a longtime staple of this show. The Since Space Columbo. The Space Columbo. He has been one of our longest running jokes of the series ever since we we came into J Guys and Jedi's ever since we covered Clone Wars. 
Uh, the reason he is Camel Joe is because to Chris, he looks like the Camel Joe mascot for the cigarettes. And we are just here to say that we will miss you, Camel Joe. And I would like to turn it over to Yoda to say a few words for our beloved friend who has fallen this episode. Mm, poor Joe. Bye-bye, Joe. Slow Joe, we used to call him. Mm. Fate worse than death. Worse than death his fate was, yes. That's that's actually very lovely and somber of you, Yoda. Palpatine used him for evil plan to sell cigarettes to minors. Yoda oh. does not approve. Oh, I see. Yoda only approves of taking minors away from their family and training them to be Jedi so they can get murdered in Order 66. No, no. That wasn't... Order 66 wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't Camel Joe's fault. None of it was Yoda's fault. No, no. Yeah, that's right. You're saying. You know, I'm very impressed with how respectful you're being to Camel Joe. If only you could be this respectful... Huh? Camel Joe was Yoda's wingman when we went out out drinking in Coruscant. Oh, back when you guys were really young in the High Republic days? Yeah, all through. All through. Oh. Well, I'm so glad that you're giving him much more respect because you certainly did, didn't do that for someone recently. Mary someone. <laughs> this is much nicer than what happened with Yaddle. Yes. Pity. Wow. We love you, Camel Joe. We love you, Camel Joe. You will always live on in this show as one of our longest-running jokes. And Tara Sanube, you will not be forgotten. And if you ever show up again, we will again call you Camel Joe. Mm. Rest, Rest in peaceful amber, my friend. Mm, Way to go, Joe. Yo, Joe. (laughs) Because <laughs> knowledge is power. <laughs> yeah, Yoda doesn't usually get like all, all like uh, yeah. I, like that. I I got myself with the GI Joe joke. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you have like somber music through all that and then like. Like, have, like, the G.I. Joe thing. A real American hero. <laughs> yes. Yes, I approve. Uh, but, yeah, Yoda, I was impressed. You know, Yoda does have his, like, kind moments. So, uh, anyway. Oh, he, and, he, and, he and Camel Joe were probably going getting, like, deep muscle massages together and stuff. So, yeah, Yoda's oh, probably yeah. got a soft spot in his heart. Yeah, they seem like they would be good wingmen together. Yep, yep. Absolutely, so. Anyway. Yoda would reel them in and Camel Joe would keep them there. (laughs) They balance each other well and then they they would uh, try to... Okay, let's not, let's just not even think about that or, or, yeah, let's not, uh, let's, let's not... Act one. <laughs> Act one. Except if they did ever like hook up with a lady, at least Camel Joe had cigarettes for afterwards. That's true. That's true. That's why they were friends. 
he always had a smoke. <laughs> That's how they met. So, anyway, Act One. Act One. <laughs> so last week, uh, Obi Wan ran into Darth Vader, and Darth Vader was like, "Fight me, old man!" And Obi Wan was like, "Nope." And he ran away, and then he got his ass kicked, and Vader kicked his ass. And now Obi-Wan is all beat up, and he's burnt, and he's going through a tiny little little Vader arc. And we open with Tala taking him to Jabim. And here he gets a very symbolic trauma back-to-bath tank of symbolism, all in a big scene. Because as Obi-Wan is just like, ooh, I'm healing, Anakin is in his own back to tape, and he's all just like, I'm in a rage, and it's all bubbly and stuff. Meanwhile, Ben is just like, oh, I'm working through my trauma, and, and Anakin's like, fuck trauma, give me more trauma. And it's all, like, symbolism, and like George says, it's poetry, it's symbols. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, Ben wakes up. And Tala's like, no, you need to heal. And Ben's like, where the fuck is my child? And she's like, okay, we'll go find Leia. So he gets dressed up in his nice Jedi robes where, you know, he finally looks like a Jedi again. I don't know where he got that outfit from. And he's like, we have to go find Leia, who is currently in a rage. Leia is in full princess mode. And she's just like, listen, I am a Disney princess now. They own my franchise. That makes me a goddamn Disney princess. And you don't want me to call up Elsa. Because she will come in here and use her Elsa money and buy all of you. I want to speak to my father. And she's essentially just screaming at whoever will listen to her. Unfortunately, Inquisitorious. And Reva comes in and she's like, calm down, princess. I'm here to help you. I want you to be able to go to home to your father. You just need to help me figure out what I need to know. And then I'll take you home. And Leia's just like, where is Obi-Wan? And Reva's like, ooh, awkward. He's dead. I saw him burn to death. So yeah you're all alone kid with me and now leia is now both big sad and big mad anyway we go back to ben and obi-wan's just like i need my child and tala's like cool we'll go to roken and he's like hi roken this is obi-wan and roken's like uh a jedi here really this is gonna destroy our entire operation you guys have enough people after you and yeah I'm not going to help you because you you being here, Obi-Wan, is putting everybody here in danger. And Ben's like, please, I'm using my best Ewan McGregor voice and my best Ewan McGregor face. And you don't know what the Empire would do to little Leia. And Roken's like, I do know what the Empire will do to her. Because my wife was force sensitive and they didn't care and they killed her. So yeah, I kind of know what will happen. Which means I'm going to be all in on this because I just made that jump in 10 seconds and I guess I'm in. Let's go. And Obi-Wan's like, yay, my Ewan McGregor face worked again. So they pull over to other side characters named Sully and Wade. And Wade better know how to wade water in Act 3. <laughs> Foreshadowing. 
and Sully and Wade are just like, uh... So this is Fortress Inquisitorious. Uh, if you've ever played Jedi Fallen Order, you know this is a big part of the game, and you have to invade it. And that, you know what? Let's use that plan. You'll just go in underwater, just like Cal Kestis, and you'll just sneak in Obi-Wan, and he's like, cool, we'll do that. You guys coming? And Sully and Wade are like, oh no, we're not soldiers. We're like... We're like truck drivers, of, and we just help transport people. We don't really know how to fight, so yeah, we're we're not gonna do that. And Tala's like, "Fuck it, I'm in. I have my Imperial officer clearance. Let's fucking go." And everyone's like, "Yeah, Tala, you're the best." And she's like, "I know. Let's go." And so Ben and Tala head on out to Nerm, and all the, on the way to Nerm, Ben is trying to use the Force. And it's not really, it's like kind of working, like he can move like a screw around. He's just like, look, it's dancing. <laughs> and Tala's like, yeah, you're going to need more than a dancing screw, buddy. And you're still healing, so it's okay that you're not there because it takes time to heal and time to move on from the past. And he looks at her with his, his Ewan McGregor face and he's like, some things should not be forgotten from the past. I am learning things. Ugh. And she's like, all right, we're almost there. Meanwhile, during all of this, Reva is still interrogating Leia, who is still in a rage. So, yeah. And it's time to infiltrate Fortress Inquisitorius. Once you think of Act 1. That was good. Yeah, um, I liked it. There's a, there's a new saying going around the internet when somebody's, like, sort of digging a hole verbally. And people are getting ready to rip into them and people just go, no, no, no. Let them cook. Let them cook. That's, that's what I kept thinking when I saw Obi-Wan in his back to tank. And then I thought when he's in the back to tank and then like all of a sudden he and he and Anakin are both in the back to tank and Anakin's just torturing him. I'm just like, oh, look, back to buddies. I thought that was a. Uh, that's I, I cute. Like, I like that, oh, that Um, though, like Obi-Wan's water is like really chill, but like Anakin's water is like almost boiling like his rage is making it hot yeah yeah uh, uh, what what really happened is anakin's just a little baby and he's like turn on the bubbles <laughs> whenever he gets in i just imagine them throwing it like a bath bomb it's like yay it's sparkly i love yeah he's in there he's in there and it's just like his obi-wan water he's like this is like obi-wan water this is boring turn on the bubbles i want my bubbles <laughs> Me and Padme used to be in the bubbles <coughs> all the time. Why don't I have my bubbles? We used to be in the bubbles of the spa, and that's where, like, me and Padme, like, you know, I heard from other Jedi that you can't get pregnant in a hot tub, and me and Padme found out that that's not true. So, more bubbles. <laughs> um... This is just a th this was an interesting one because of like um Obi-Wan gets called Ben in this. Um Reva calls him Obi-Wan to Leia, mm -hmm. which is a first here because she's only known him as Ben. And that, you know, that was sort of being like, okay, she wouldn't know who Obi-Wan Kenobi is because she only knows him as Ben, you know. Blah blah blah, but now she knows it, it, it's established. She's known as Obi Wan and Ro. What was it, Rogar, Rokar, Roken, Roken, 
Roking calls him general. Which I, must have been pretty PTSD-ish to <laughs> Obi-Wan. That's back from the Clone Wars days. When didn't Oh gosh, my memory's kicking in. Um didn't she I, I think Leia knew before he was Obi-Wan. Like it, it was said somewhere and she was there. So she is aware that he's Obi-Wan Kenobi. I just I don't remember if it was episode if it was the last episode or the one before it, but somewhere because uh, she saw the bulletin. That's what it was. She saw the bounty bulletin with his name on it because she thought he was lying because she's like because he was going by Ben and put the bulletin said Obi-Wan. So like she she knows his name is that. But she could play dumb. Yeah, it just uh, it messes up. It, me- it, it messes with episode four because like. When Obi-Wan dies in episode four, Luke is like, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, yeah, they're there. It's tough to lose. <laughs> you know, she's just like, you know, she, you'd think she'd be upset, almost equally upset. As a matter of fact, she spent a lot more time with Obi-Wan Kenobi, it seems like, than Luke Skywalker ever did. I, I really want to be honest about it. You know, I'm, if there's anything that I feel like this show possibly messed with was maybe that scene, but... I could also see it as something as Leia is someone who mourns in private later because, you know, she watches her parents die when her planet explodes and she never has a moment of being like, my parents are gone. After his death, she has no reason to be not to be like, yeah, he saved my life once, too. You know, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that that dude. Yeah, I feel like she's one of those person people who like takes care of everyone first, and then when she has a private moment later, then she breaks down. There's actually a really great fan comic uh, that takes place like the night after A New Hope ends, and it's like Leia is sitting in her room and she starts thinking about her family, and like on Alderaan, like braids are like really important, and she just starts ripping out her Leia buns because it was like one of the last things her mother did, and like she's like clawing at them because she's finally alone, and it's really, really like sad. Um, but yeah, I, I get the feeling she is one of those people who takes care of everything first, and she mourns in private later. So she probably did mourn for Ben, but we just didn't see it on screen. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> my, um, my only other note is: Did you catch the last Jedi rhyme in this one? No. It's where he pops out of the back to take and goes, "Where's Leia?" Which is sort of rhyming with Luke going, "Where's Han?" In after Last an, Jedi. After an, in the Last Jedi, yeah. When 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 Chewie when when they burst in on Luke Skywalker and he's chatting with him and then after a while he goes wait a minute where's Han? <laughs> oh, yeah. So that that reminded me of that. But that's all I got for Act One. I thought Obi Wan recovered a little quickly, <laughs> judging by the 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 depths of those third degree burns and like how Anakin is still like. I mean, Anakin obviously got roasted a lot more, but as we said in the last episode, chunks of Obi-Wan's flesh were glowing embers. So it's it's just really weird because 
obviously a lot of a lot of time could not have passed you know it's it's all happening you know sort of in real time it's not like two weeks later you know well think about it this way back to moves at the speed of plot because remember in the season one finale of mandalorian din is dying and ig88 just sprays him or ig11 just sprays him with he's like here's some back to and he's fine yeah. five minutes later. Ah, yeah. <laughs> he was from dying to fine to riding on Gideon's ship with a jetpack within like a 10 minute time span. So, <laughs> yep. like, backed up moves at the speed of plot. Like, sometimes it takes forever and sometimes it's like really fast. It's like hyperspace. Hyperspace is the same. So, um, I, that's just like one of the. Now, emotionally, I, I go back and forth of whether it moves a little fast like part of me sometimes feels like there could have been like an extra five minutes in this one just to have that little bounce back recovery because he was at his absolute lowest point last episode and but then he's he also pops- he's got leia though now now he has to i mean later on he goes i can't lose leia you know or yeah. not later on right in fact he says i can't lose her you know and yeah. and like that yeah. crazy person way that everybody's like yeah dude we all have that <laughs> you know yeah but i think i would have liked like a little extra few minutes after they agree to go get leia but before they reach Fortress Inquisitorious, like a little like meditation scene, like where he's trying the force on the little thing on the table in that talk with Tala. Like, like just a little something there of him trying to reach out to Qui-Gon again. Just something, just like like it's just a hair too fast. Just yeah, a hair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. They're getting it, they're getting that all that stuff out of the it's it's sort of just quickly getting that like as much of the aftermath of him being dragged through the fire out of the way so it can just continue forward with the story you know yeah because he goes from his absolute lowest moment to popping out of that back to tank or even having something in the back to tank where you know he's going through that trauma and like maybe he starts hearing just glimpses of Qui-Gon's voice or something that I don't know. Just, it seemed like it seemed like Anakin was pretty honed in on him. But, <laughs> but point, or or powering other signals. <laughs> or maybe him like mentally, just like something like, sort of like like words from Obi Wan mentally, just like a like a no, I won't let you. And then he pops out because when he pops out of that back to tank, he is just like he's he's well on his way of being a Jedi after coming out of his yeah. lowest point. And yeah. he's like commanding the room. He's commanding Roken and Tala. Like he's like taking charge again. And so, like, there just needs to be, like, a hair of something. Like, it's, like, 90% perfect. Just, like, a little kiss of something else somewhere. I don't know where, though. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was actually kind of, like, my first note. Um, so, Obi-Wan literally goes through a trial by fire and then, essentially, a baptism. Like, this is symbolically, like, a baptism scene where he is washing away those past deeds and he's starting to emerge into his more confident Jedi self. But he has that healing water to kind of like reset him. And he's even looking more like a Jedi. Like when he comes out and they put him in some kind of robe that he definitely was not wearing earlier. Like he's probably taken his first bath in a a long time because we know like Tika 
from episode one is like, when was the last time you showered? Like, <laughs> you know, he just, he looks like he's a new man. And even though he's not 100% there yet, like, it's very much, like, this back to tank is very much like a symbolic baptism of well, his and, character. And, and he's also, like, just, like, the thought of, like, meeting and fighting with Anakin again probably was probably the most horrifying thing in his mind. And he just, he just survived exactly. it, you know? Yep, exactly. So, so he's 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 past he's past that hurdle, you know, and he he survived it. It was ugly, but here he is and mm -hmm. he's you know, yeah. And that's kind of like the thing. Um I don't know I don't know if I've had this note later or if I just didn't put it on at all. But that's kind of like where where I liked that scene. Um, where Anakin is, like, still just so stuck on this, like, failure, like, Obi-Wan got away, and he's still so caught in this anger that he, that, that's why he's so stunted as a person, what? where Obi-Wan went through this, and he, he got over that hurdle, as you said, and he is now ready to move forward and grow. Oh, but I, I did, I did actually write it here. Um, because that, that ties also into his, I, I hear you, uh, let me finish. Um, it ties into his line of what he says to Tala, because Tala tells him, like, you know, it takes time for things to be forgotten. And he tells her, some things should not be forgotten. And he's talking about his mistakes with Anakin, because he was so scared of that failure, and he was so scared of that mistake. And now he's literally faced it in a trial by fire, and as you said, it was ugly, but it's washed away in this back to bath, and he is ready to reface his past with Anakin because, as a Jedi, he's learning how to. He's starting to let it go, which is a very Jedi thing. And it's like one of the. And he's starting to let go of that attachment. Remember last episode, I was like, you know, what we were we were like, why would Anakin just, you know, he could have just hopped over that fire, you know, or he could have like crushed that droid that was carrying Anakin away with one like one like movement of his hand but then i and then i was like well maybe he wanted you know he was like okay now he has to go through the transformation like me but it turned out the opposite way with obi-wan but then i'm thinking maybe he wanted it to turn out the opposite way so that like he would have somebody worthy of fighting you know somebody he could have a satisfying yeah. satisfying to toy with battle you know a, a challenge with obi-wan so maybe he was like yeah we'll let him go and this will this will get him get him back in the groove you know warm him up a little bit <laughs> <laughs> he was like oh but you're too easy to kill no okay yeah, we'll, we'll try yeah. again gotta get gotta get get him angry give him the eye of the tiger or whatever you know but yeah it's the eye of the nexu is the cream of the crop <laughs> I have the Nexu. Um, uh, and my my other other two notes kind of go together. I like Roken's backstory and how simple it is. Like he doesn't need to go into details. It's yeah. I do know my wife was was force sensitive and they killed her, and that's all you need. But like it's I, I like how it's delivered in a way where it's just enough to where we can fill in the gaps. For and, well, for you and I, it's especially. It's especially easy because we've seen like everything. <laughs> so we've seen a lot of we've seen a lot of like illustrations of that. So we could you and I can clearly like pull up a nice little, you know, 
uh, montage of what probably happened, you know? Oh, yeah. And I know what it reminds me of is uh, I'm looking up this character's name to make sure it's the right one. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of the Charles Soul Vader comic because in one of the arcs, um, Jedi Eth Koth uh, actually goes away and he gets married and the day his daughter is born, Vader shows up and kills him and takes his daughter because she's force sensitive to put her in the Inquisitorious program. So like, and then the mother is left both husband and childless. But, and yeah, so I can't imagine because that mother is pretty yeah. much broken in this situation. And, uh, but it's, it's really well presented because it doesn't need to have like a flashback or any flourish. And, um, uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. just sells it very easily. He's just like, no, I do get it. Like, don't, don't come at me with your Jedi bullshit. I, I get it. So, um, and then something I've been doing all this show is how do all the characters tie into Ben and his story? And what I like about Roken in this one, <clears throat> he represents where Obi-Wan was in episode one because he is so focused on trying to help everyone on Jabim, where Obi-Wan was like, no, I have to stay here with Luke. I can't go after Leia. I don't even know Leia. I only know of her. And I know she's important, but it's not my duty. And Roken's in that place. Like, he doesn't want to go help Leia, this child he doesn't know, because he's using his, the path as a crutch to not commit to it. And what's interesting is Obi-Wan is actually in Bell Organa's position. He's the one that's coming in and is convincing Roken to act. He's the one of saying, like, we have to do this. Like, she's she's going to be this, like, little, she's this little girl and she's in danger. It's like your wife. Like, we couldn't save your wife, but we can save her. And um, and and it's it's interesting because Roken is this representative, this representation of where Obi-Wan was four episodes ago. So seeing Roken in that position now, we can see where Ben used to be and how much he's already grown. And also, now Obi-Wan is in the role where he's starting to become more, more Jedi-like because he's inspiring those around us. Around us. Around them. And that's what Jedi do. Like, they inspire people around them. Well, we're watching it. They're around us, too. They're all around us. They're, they're, they are. They're in the room with us now. I mean, I have a, I have an Ahsoka doll and a Grand Inquisitor doll behind me. So, yeah, they're literally all around me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's how Roken ties into me. Um, and that's his role of like where he is on Ben's path, because we can actually look at Roken and see how far Obi-Wan has come in versus episode one. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I hope so. It's episode four already. There's only two episodes left. Right. We are two thirds of the season. <laughs> Giddy up, Obi-Wan. I sure hope it does. <laughs> but that's all I have for act one. All righty. I'm ready for act two. Me too, except for my virus scanner is like, I'm going to scan your computer right now. Close. Oh, nice. Save for later. Act two might be my favorite act. I wasn't quite sure where to cut it. So I just did the best I could. (laughs) This is one of those where it was like six minutes. I, I cut it by time, which didn't turn out well so then i just sort of left it and then i went through your notes as we were starting and just like drew lines <laughs> where, yeah okay here's the line where act one is cut and act two and so so i'm ready 
I got my notes all in order for it, but yeah, this is one of those ones where like Act One was like for five minutes, Act Two was like fifteen minutes, and Act my original was, like, Act five. One, my original where I thought Act One ended was like all the way like to almost to Joe Camel. Oh yeah, because that's roughly like that's like twelve minutes of this episode. But yeah, yeah. once you cut out like the opening and closing credits, this episode's like. Like I think like twenty nine minutes, so it's like right yeah, at ten. It moves along like an animated <clears throat> show. Mm-hmm. So Act two Act Two. It is time to break into Fortress Inquisitorious, because Tala is flying in from above and she's dropped Obi Wan's ass swimming in the water and he's swimming on up. And Tala walks in like she owns the place because she is the best character in the show. And she's trying to walk through a checkpoint, and this officer is just like, Excuse me, lady. We have to have clearance to get through here. She looks at him. She was like, Lady, I have Class C clearance, which makes me outrank you. So you will call me, sir. And I will not tell you I'm here because it's, confi- it's confidential. Do you know what confidential means, sweetie? Yeah, get the fuck out of my way before I report you to the Grand Inquisitor. And he's just like, yes, sir. <laughs> and she's like, bitch. And she like walks off. <laughs> Katala is the best. And she gets to like this little um, console thing and she's like whispering to Obi-Wan. She's like, Ben, I'm in. And he's like, me too. I climbed up through a porthole and I drowned a stormtrooper. It's fine. And I'm super wet and I should be dripping water anywhere. But I'm Ewan McGregor, so I'm magically dry. And she's like, uh, cool. So now it's time for a lot of sneaking around. So he's all sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. And as they're sneaky, 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 Reba's still interrogating Leia. And, uh, and so... She's like, Leia, I'm trying to help you. And Leia's like, no, I'm not going to help you. I don't know anything. And Reva's like, what's that? And she picks up Lola and she looks at Lola. And she's like, you know, I used to have droids before the Empire came. And Leia's like, cool. We have a thing in common. Technically, too, I'm force sensitive, but I don't know that. So we technically have two things in common. Cool. Anyway, so uh, Tala is helping out Obi-Wan, but she gets sidelined because another Imperial snooty bastard comes up. And the snooty bastard's like, you're not supposed to be here. Come with me instead of this open area space with all these other Imperial officers where they could see us. And she goes, okay. So she walks with them, knocks his ass out. And then comes back calmly and continues what she's doing. And Obi-Wan is hiding from droids the whole time. But when she tries to call back Obi-Wan after she kicks his ass, she picks the wrong time to call him. Because he happens to be hiding from some stormtroopers. And the stormtroopers are like, what's that noise? As we look around this blank hallway, except for behind the rafters, which are clearly here. And Obi-Wan's like, I'm so glad they're not looking behind these rafters, which are clearly here. That's great. And he uses the force to make a noise down the hallway. And the stormtroopers are like, let's go get that noise. And they run off. And then Obi-Wan gets the heck and heck out of there. Meanwhile. Uh. So, as all this is happening, Reva's just like, come on, Leia. I'm here to help you. And Leia's like, okay. I will help you, Reva, because 
we are on the same side, aren't we? We're both good Imperials. Because my dad's an Imperial Senator. And we're on the same side. So therefore, I will help you. And Reva's like, oh, that's great. That was easy. Yeah. And Leia's like, but I need to call my father first to make sure it's the right information. And Reva's like, oh, that was a good try. Well, I guess you have to be tortured now. And Leia's like, what? I'm sorry, what? That escalated really quickly. And they drag out little Leia. And they're taking her to a torture chamber. And as they're getting ready to torture her, all this is going on when Obi-Wan finds a torture of his own. Because he opens this one door and walks in. And it is just a catacomb of dead Jedi all around him on all sides there are children there are characters but most of all there is our dear sweet camel joe right there in amber and it hurts and it sucks and it's a painful scene and it's haunting i'm so glad it's it's great But during, as he's just, like, staring at the dead bodies of his once community, he hears Leia screaming, and she's like, Someone help me! And he's, like, he's running down the hallway, and he's like, Tala, I need a distraction. I'm about to go save Leia. And Tala's like, Ah, 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 okay, good luck. I'll figure something out. And then they have to go save Leia. Ba ba bum What'd you think of Act 2? As I said, it might be my favorite act. I love the way the Inquisitor. The, the I love the way the 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 Inquisitorus layer is looks. I love the way it's lit with like sickly green ocean. It's like it's it's funny because it's similar to um, what's its name where the clones are from. Camino. Camino. Except it's it's sickly, you know, it's evil. It's got this evil, murky, like green, like algae tint to it that is also like very, very much like a lot of the old um, Ralph McQuarrie production, you know, idea paintings had to it. So it had a very, very um, throwback and evil look to it. And so, uh, oh, so I, what I was just, just gonna say, um, it's it's also cool that it's uh evil because it's actually the moon of Mustafar where Vader is, so he gets the lava planet and they get the sickly water planet. So I like that yeah, it's like, these, like, like two, yeah, and I like yeah. it's like these like two extremes of like water and fire, yeah. But there's is still swampy and, and murky and stuff, and all the life in it looks like. Lovecraftian, you know, all the little and this this was another episode where this is what I think they should have done with the whole thing. Instead of doing these cuts back and forth between cinematic and TV style budget filming, and it might have been something to do with like the way the second unit was filming and stuff and the first unit that was dealing with, you know, you and McGregor and stuff was filming. But this one sort of cuts a difference. It, the, the music is is mostly cinematic, but it's not all cinematic. 
but it doesn't rely on a lot of just sort of like you know atmospheric music that you can use and it has a lot of really time music that's very cinematic and and also reminiscent of the music on the death star in in episode four when they're when they're you know when they're on the death star going to rescue leia and uh it just it it it, it feels more co as a, a coherent whole and uh then when they cut back and forth, there's a couple parts in here where you're feeling the volume, like in Act Three. But in this part, everything, all their filming methods and stuff are, you know, I mean, it it has handheld camera, but it's not going crazy in here, you know, and and it's using a lot of like cinematic stuff that Star Wars usually use. Star Wars usually has more of a tied down camera and stuff. But it's feeling very, very cinematic, and it's just got a nice atmosphere of 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 evil there, you know. And uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, it's good to see. Uh, and when I say actors in this, I don't mean the actual actors. I mean the characters acting. Is it's good to see good spy characters for a change because. Mm. All of Tala our Tala is so good in this episode. Yeah, Tala, Tala's Tala's high tier spy acting, as we'll find out in Act Three. But um, yeah, it's good to see someone who's who's not inept at it because we've been used to um, what's his name uh, from uh, from um, Resistance. Kaz. Yeah, we're, we've been used to Kaz and. And um, if you himbo. say callous, if you say callous, I'm gonna throw you out because callous no, is saying, good. I'm saying himbo. The our latest example was himbo, like when they when when he and Bill Burr went and oh, dead. <laughs> it was just a, yeah, he was just a bumbling wreck, you know. <clears throat> this is like one of the first looks we've had at some competent spy craft, you know, in in a while, and it's and it's good to see and 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 well, I mean. We're I'm saying up till now, but that's because we haven't hit Andor yet. But Andor is full of actual spycraft, like yes, 14 it is. layer chest spycraft. So that's coming up. But it's good to see it's good to see some a little bit of that here. Um I I, I like that the the only part about the Jedi's on ice that I didn't like is the little kid Jedi was almost too much of like a freeze frame of the one kid that like reacts when Anakin pulls out his lightsaber. It's almost like he's more of a diorama of a, of a just like, you know, look, this is what it's almost like, look, this is what all the, the look at the surprise on all these little kids faces, you know, <laughs> when they die, you know, it doesn't look like, okay, this is this Jedi that we captured. He's, he's like, almost like, like they posed him, you know, it was it was kind of weird. They probably did. The Inquisitors were probably like, "Should we stick his fingers up his nose?" No, it's we have to be weird. serious about this. <laughs> well, he's got that look of surprise on his face, so we gotta maybe just pose him in a in a sort of just mid mid stepping forward look. But uh, yeah, but otherwise, I thought this this episode was or this this part was was great, and I'm I'm sort of mixing parts of three are great too. But uh, I I had parts of I had 
I had three almost all the way up to when they get rescued. So, but uh, yeah, I love all, all the stuff on Inquisitorius is pretty uh, pretty badass. And I thought I, I thought it was I thought I, I I thought on a second viewing this stuff would show a few more scenes, but I actually liked it a little more the second time. Yeah, me too. Like I. Yeah, like this this show is hitting a lot better on its second viewing. Like, uh, and I feel like I say that a lot for these series because um, I was the same way with Book of Boba Fett, and I definitely like this one a lot more in the second viewing as well. Um, God, Tala. I'll definitely talk more about Tala in Act 3, but just the scene of how she gets in, and she just dresses down that, like, asshole officer, where yep. he was just like, I need to see your ID, and he's, and she's just like, bitch, you better call me, sir. I outrank you. Well, that's you. the thing is, she she seems genuinely offended, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I I love that, you know. This is just good acting. It's not. It, it does not feel like a bluff. She feels like an arrogant imperial. Yeah, she's been around them enough to know exactly how to act. Yeah, and and it, and it's kind of like how what what Cassian says in the Andor, like she just walks in like she owns the place because they can't expect they don't expect mm-hmm. anybody like her to come into their home. So, um, but yeah, that, that just set the stage because uh, Tala was already amazing, but that just set the stage of how awesome she was going to be all the way through the end of this episode. So, um, so okay, it I also have... shows how their their strict hierarchical power kind of fucks them over, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And their fear, because. If that yeah. guy was smart, he was like, "Well, why don't I call the Grand Inquisitor and have him escort you?" Like, if he, yeah, if but that's the th- that's yeah, but that's the thing is, yeah, it, the fear. It, it's yeah, they, they they set up the fear. You know, he had like really, like his like it would the right thing the right thing within his job to do would have been to check on her, but like the way they also set it up, that's the way fasc- fascism works. So they set it up that way, so everybody. Is a screw is screwing up and mm-hmm. breaking the rules at the same time, trying to follow them. That way, if you want to get rid of somebody or or keep them in line, they're always breaking a rule and always doing something wrong. So, yeah, it was yeah, it was a nice little scene. Um. So at first, when I was watching like Obi Wan just walking around, <laughs> just walking around like nothing, I had this like little thought of like, man, Star Wars Rebels really got these like sneaking into basins right because like Kanan and Ezra would always still like stormtrooper outfit and stormtrooper outfits and armor and stuff to like sneak around easily and like that that's something that I always liked about rebels and I I, I kind of and I had this moment of just like man Obi-Wan should just still like a coat or something and of course he gets a coat later in act three um but then I started thinking about it like canon wise and rebels is about five years ish after this give or take maybe seven years after this and in Rebels, there is a moment where the Empire starts catching on to them. Like, where they start realizing that the, the Rebels are stealing their armor and hiding it. And they beef up security after that. And so, canon-wise, I kind of like that Obi-Wan doesn't do that here. Because it would actually probably make it harder for Kanan and Ezra in the future. So, it does kind of line up with the canon here. But then also, it takes away the whole parallel of him sneaking around the Death Star, which is the point. 
They're trying to make rhyming Star Wars. But I don't know. I want to see Obi-Wan in some Imperial armor. So <laughs> I think that would have been fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is just a little note. It's nice to see him starting to use the Force more comfortably again versus Episode 2 when it was a struggle to do it. Um, I'm going to get through all my little notes. Actually, no, I'll, I'll just go ahead and do this one. So this is the thing that I'm kind of on the fence with about this episode. Leia is clearly Force-sensitive in the middle of Fortress Inquisitorious. And... At one point, like, re- like Riva is, like, kind of reading her mind or, like, trying to read her mind. And she doesn't seem to realize that Leia's Force-sensitive, which is strange to me. And I go back and forth on this point. because I on- think she did. My, the way I square it in my mind is I think she did. She's keeping it under her belt. Because, because also Leia probably reminds her of her on some some level, that's making her feel for her and also be very angry at her. <laughs> but like, she maybe that that information is more something she should keep to herself than to be like, you know, I think this one has force powers or whatever. Maybe we can make her into an inquisitor or whatever. She might have been like, she might have been stowing that away for later, or keep, you know, keeping it under her belt. That's what. That's how I square it. Because that's that's my my third possibility. Is it's about just about in line with that? Because on like one hand, Star Wars does have precedence of if you don't practice the Force actively, then the Force can fade off on you. That's what happens to Grogu. That's why he struggles and. In the episode The Jedi in season two of The Mandalorian, that's what Ahsoka says. So the Force is something that you have to practice to stay up with, and Leia's clearly has never practiced. So maybe it's not like active. But on the I other don't know. hand, it didn't stop them from getting any of the other ones that were just sort of that was literally up my next thing. point. <laughs> my literally next point was, uh, but that didn't stop the Inquisitors from getting all the other Force sensitive kids. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Then uh, it goes to like what you were saying, which is my third point. I, I think Riva is aware. I think, but I think it's one of those things that she never has a chance to do anything with it because Leia is not her initial goal at this moment. Her goal was Kenobi because she wants yeah. to get to Vader. And so I think she probably noted it and then was going to come back to Leia at a later date. If, like if her per- plan went perfectly, then she would have captured Kenobi, Vader would have came, she would have killed Vader, probably killed Kenobi, and then, like, went off on her merry way. Like, that was probably, like, the perfect Reva plan. And then, yeah. like, deal with Leia. And, but because the way the show goes, she she never gets to deal with Leia, she never gets Kenobi or Vader, and then she gets redeemed. So it never is actually a point that gets addressed. Yeah. Because of the I, way the show focuses i think she knew that leia didn't know like leia's a little kid she's not going to know anything about the structure of it you know leia's just been along for the ride she doesn't she really doesn't have any information to give them you know Mm -hmm. that they don't already know you know because leia just saw she just saw that room and like knew that there were people that were you know but that's all she knew really and um the only thing she could have done is 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 been like there was one lady there who was dressed as an imperial, you know, 
and and that's about and that's about it. But I think Reva just wanted to get her on the interrogation table because she knew that it, it was just like when uh, Darth Vader put um, Han Solo on the interrogation and didn't ask him any questions because he knew it would draw Luke Skywalker in, you know. So yeah. she just knew if we put Leia in danger, Obi Wan will it will that will just you know spur on Obi Wan more. Yeah. And but I do like the connections that they they're making with like Leia and Riva because it's it, it's like you're saying I think it makes Riva feel for her a little bit more um, because I actually forgot the detail that, about the droid when when Riva is looking at Lola and says I used to have a droid like this and they took it from me they took everything from me and I completely forgot about that detail and I think that is probably actually one of like the low key more important details because it is one of those things that connects her to Leia and makes her a little bit more sympathetic to Leia. I mean, uh, well, that that's the thing is it could be a lie in the interrogation, but you get the feeling that it, that it's, she's using it to like apply Leia's sympathies, but that it's also real too, you know? I, a cl- clarification question. Are you saying that she, Reva was lying about having a droid? No, I'm saying in an interrogation situation like that, that would be something you you would do is say, like, when I was a kid, I had a droid, too, you know, and try to, like, blah, blah, blah. But you and that's what Reva's doing. She's trying to apply Leia's sympathies, but you can tell she's reaching into her actual, you know, real stuff to do it, you know, instead of just being like, you know. I like to play, you know, just, you know, making stuff up like, it, you know, she's basically playing good cop and bad cop at the same time. She's, she's... Yeah, because Moses Syndrome definitely has this, like, style of acting where when you can tell when Reva's telling the truth because it's very few and far between, but she gets a lot softer and a lot, her voice gets more vulnerable. Yeah. And, and and it's a really cool acting choice that Moses does. But... Uh, I I do like that little detail, and uh, it got me thinking. Like, if we like the next time we see like Riva like down the down the road, like when she's redeemed and like a like a good person again, I would love for her to have a droid. Like, I would absolutely love for her to have a little droid, like just like following her around and stuff like that. I think that would just be a cool little character moment for her. So, um, and then I, I got to thinking about Leia when she tries to trick trick Riva, and it's actually not a bad plan for, on Leia's part uh, because she is the daughter of an imperial senator. So by saying to this inquisitor, like, "Yeah, we're on the same side, aren't we?" It's technically true, and I do think that little ruse of just like, "We are on the same side. I will help you." I think that would have actually worked on a on a dumb imperial. Like I feel like a dumb imperial would have fallen for that, but not Reva. Like Reva's too smart for it. But I I, I, don't, I don't think I don't Leia think... even thought she was gonna fall for it. I think Leia was just I, I think Leia was be, being the adult Leia and also the Force Leia, where she was just just say saying something that she you know she was she she played with her she 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 set her up with look okay you you just said we're on the same side you're right my my dad's on the you know my dad's on the imperial senate you know and uh and and so you know therefore 
I should be able to talk to my dad, right? And she knows that she's not going to be allowed to talk to her dad because that's what this whole thing's all about is, you know, dad's trying to get, dad's trying to get her back. So I think she was just, I think she just, just said that to just like give just a tweak Reva in the nose a little bit and say like, look, you know, you're full of, I know you're full of shit, you know? You're 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 play you're you're trying to play. She's doing the like. Look, these people throw you under the bus, you know. And and Leia's just like going like, yeah, you're serving me up a big heaping bowl of jiggly bullshit here, and uh, and I'll 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 lead you along like you just are trying to lead me along. But she really leads her along with it, and then just like, okay, then I should talk to my dad. And and Reva's just like, oh fuck you, you know. That that's I, how I that's how I played it. I thought I or I I read it. I thought Leia was being like, really just like just 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 sort of just sort of pushed back at her after Reba tried to like reach into her brain. <laughs> I partially agree with that. I don't one hundred percent agree with that because I think thinking of her as a kid, though, like if it, if it was like nineteen year old Leia. Like, or, like, even, like, 14-year-old Leia. Yeah. But, like, this is still kid Leia. And only... Let me finish my point. Uh, because just, I think it was last week's episode, she was talking to Ben, and she was like, I thought the Imperials were the good guys. I thought we were all on the same side. So, like, this is still kind of, like, new information for her. And I could see, like her as a little kid brain of like there's no harm in trying it i think you are right and i do agree i don't think she thinks it's gonna work but there's also no harm in trying it if if, if she brain. was in trouble and they took her to the principal they would have had her dad down if her dad was coming down they would have had her dad down already you know they would have had her dad down right right away to yell at her you know or whatever but they're they're not they're taking they're taking her into imperial questioning and stuff so she i think she pretty much knows and her dad's hired a Jedi to get her back. I think she pretty much knows that it's not, this isn't all, you know, a whole thing where they're pulling her dad and her dad's going, oh, thank God we got pulled back by, you know, thank God that those rebels, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, they, they, she knew it wasn't going, she knew it wasn't going down like that. I, I think that she would definitely know that she needs to buy, buy as much time as she can. That that is where I think she's coming from. I don't think she's like purposely trying to like tweak Reva on the nose and being like, "You just went into my mind, so I'm gonna fuck you right back." Like, I don't think it's that. I think it's her going, "I need to buy as much time as I can because I don't believe the story that Ben's dead." Because even um, Reva's like, "I'll make you cry real tears. I can tell you're fake crying." And so I I think it's more along the lines of she knows she needs to buy her time. I don't think she's actively going after Reva. That that's the part I disagree with. She seems but, pretty surprised when he turns up not dead, though. I, or I, pretty relieved. I think she's definitely relieved. I because even if Ben's dead, I think she's expecting Tala to come. Like she she knows that someone's coming. Yeah. But she just doesn't know who because they're not saying anything about Tala, and Tala knows to find her. Um. So I yeah I I think it's more of her just like trying to by every second of time that you can get. And uh, my my last note I have is the Jedi 2, which is probably the most shocking part of the entire show for me. Like, 
everything else I was kind of expecting. Like, like we knew that this was going to be like the Hayden and you and like reunion and like they would meet and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. I was not expecting like dead younglings in the show. And to see like Tara Sanube in like Amber and it was just this, it, 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 it's, it's set up in the scene, like the lead up to the scene. Cause when Obi-Wan is walking towards the doors, they have these red imperial symbols on two black doors, and they just look like red Sith eyes, just well, staring yeah, yeah, yeah. down the hallway. Well, we've had we've had little little touches of like foreshadowing of the the Uncle Palps, you know, uh, midichlorian chambers of horror in uh, the Mandalorian, in the Bad Batch. And and now in Obi Wan, so I'm I I love it personally. I love that they're like, you know, I I, oh. I like that stuff because it's 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 all giving me hope that they're going to try to fill in a little bit more of the like how Palpatine came back, so it do- just doesn't become that you know um, somehow Palpatine returned. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm hoping they expand on that, and the, and this is all little signs of that. This is like, oh look, at, it's Palpatine's you know midichlorian stash. But he's, that's he's, the thing, he's like grabbing I... little pieces of DNA from all these guys to make his little mutant blobs and clone clone tubes. They're all dead, though. That's the only thing we don't know is if like midichlorians work on dead bodies. Because I, I no, just... but they can they can pull their genetics out. I'm I'm assuming their like their genetics are what like their bodies make midichlorians. So if you can if you can clone a Jedi or clone parts of them, you could probably clone a, the that cells is... that make midichlorians or so. I don't you know. There's got to be a science behind it if they exist. That that is so far more technical than how I took the scene. I just see a trophy case, like walking into like walking into a hunting lodge, because but it's also but it's also like under guard. If it was a real trophy case, who cares? Like you know, put it put it out in public where people can see all the you know, put those Jedi on display. They're like they're like hidden away and like if they were like suit like a real real like serial killer trophy case they would be over in invaders basement so he could go go stroll along he i mean he can always hop on the ship and go go walk around and talk to them all you know (laughs) i just imagine him like drawing i told you all you fools but you know i just imagine him like drawing like mustaches on the wall (laughs) The, the, it's it, horrible. It, it felt that it felt like they it felt like they were in it felt like more they were in cold storage. We're gonna put them at the bottom of here where they they were put in a secure area, you know, and down in the bottom of a place where nobody nobody's supposed to go and nobody wants to go. So yeah, like, cause in, it seems like it seems like I have the feeling that Palpatine Palpatine was like, I want the job. Bring me their bodies. I want to keep them. You know, we're going to we might we might want to get, you know, we might want to make a super Jedi out of pull all, you know, maybe we can find the part that tweaks the, the dark side in people or whatever. Because uh, uh, actually it was Star Wars Rebel season one. Um, is when they say that the Mustafar system is where Jedi go to die, and now I see why. And it's just, it's so haunting. Like, 
it was like the one part of the show I was absolutely not expecting. And it took me like, and then I saw Tara Sanube and I fucking lost it. Like I lost it like with the kid for sure, because I'm an aunt and that just hurts my heart. But like, I was a mess. Who's, who's the Jedi they used in rebels. Remember they had a Jedi in rebels and they were using her to, it was, to, uh, or, it was Luminara. So maybe they were, maybe they had plans to use a, Maybe they, maybe they started out with Joe Camel and used Joe Camel. To, that, that, those were all the Jedi's that they lured in using the dead Jedi trick. Maybe because it, it ends with Luminara and the Grand Inquisitor says something along the line of like, they had been using Luminara's corpse for years. And this Rebels is only about five to seven years yeah. prior. I, I don't remember. Let's see if Leia's yeah. 10 and Ezra's 14 at the beginning of Rebels. So Rebels is like four to five years away at this point, which is where season one is. Um, so, yeah, because because Ezra's the same age as Luke and Leia, because um, I think he's only like two days older than them. Um, so, what was I going with this? Yeah, so they could have done it at first, but I, I I got the impression that they had been using Luminara for a while because when they figured it out, uh, Hera says something along the lines of like, "I have to tell Fulcrum to spread the word so no other Jedi fall for this." Right. Um, but yeah, it's that this entire tomb scene, like, and I agree, I love it. Like, I love being like smacked in the face, shocked by the horror of this. And uh, the and they don't this. explain it at all. It doesn't. It's not explained at all. It's just left to the imagination. Which and you is and, a, and you McGregor acts that. the fucked out of it because of course. Oh hell does. yeah! Especially when he sees the youngling, like that's he's, where he looks like he's about to lose it. <laughs> That's the joy of this show, really, is he's been waiting years. He's been waiting years. Yeah. He's wanted to play Obi-Wan for years, and he it, it's a role that he can just, like, wear, you know, wear, like, a second skin. And so, yeah. Just know if we're not talking about Ewan McGregor's acting skills, just know we think he's really good in this role. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's just, just tearing it up in this. Yeah. It's just an over like we we can't we can't we'd be talking the entire time and pointing out everything he's just really everybody that everybody that was in the prequels that shows up in this gets to like truly act you know ewan mcgregor is such a great actor that he you know his portrayal of obi-wan just cut through the dialogue and george lucas's stiff direction this he's got like this he's got like actor actor aim you know we, they're writing dialogue for him as an actor they're writing stuff for him to do as an actor and he's all over they all are uncle owen's all over it Hating jimmy smith's all over it when we Hating get Christensen to doesn't get to as much but, but I will, uh, well, I, well I, I we're will, coming up we're coming up to that but he does yes he does i, I will i definitely will talk about this when we get to episode six this was the first time I ever bought Hayden Christensen as Vader. And it was the first time I it clicked and I got it and it was chilling. Like, cause like for so long, like Matt Lanter has been my, my, my animator. And I finally clicked with Hayden Christensen. So yes, like this show is so good for all of them because episode six, I will talk about that at length because yes. <laughs> anyway, that's all I ever act to. Do you have anything else? No, let's, uh, Let's wrap this. Uh, this this, this, cam uh, this, J this camel, Joe. Joe camel up. Yeah, wrap him up this, in uh, a cigarette paper. 
That's what I was literally about to say. We're going to wrap, wrap up them cigarette. up in a cigarette paper and sell them to kids. Well, I was going to say we're going to wrap up a cigarette paper in honor of him. Oh, okay. But you went way more dark, so. <laughs> That's okay. We're wrapping up puppies every keeping week. Keeping up, so. keeping with this episode's tone, so. Yeah, yep, yeah, so. <clears throat> Act three. Hey, everyone. You want to know how badass Tala is? If she wasn't already a badass? She needs to make a distraction. And what does she do? She makes herself the distraction. Because Reva comes in and she's like, what do you want? And and Tala's like, hi, I'm here because um, I am here with information on the pack and they're on Florum. And Reva's not fully buying it, but she's kind of intrigued by this because that's okay. All they need to do is keep Reva away from Obi-Wan for five seconds because Obi-Wan like kicks in the interrogation doors and he's like, I'm in the shadows now. <laughs> And he kind of like slinks around and he turns on his lightsaber and it doesn't go through the stormtrooper. It just kind of baps them at the head because, you know, they're lights on sticks. And he's just like, bap, bap. And he turns it off and he runs into the story, other stormtrooper and he's just like, bap, 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 bap. And he like knocks him over and Leia's like, Obi-Wan, you're here. And he's like, I am here and I'm not dead. Let's get you out of here. And he frees little Leia, frees little Leia and they get the heck and heck out of there. And meanwhile... Tala is still being the goat because Reva's like, admit you're a spy. And Tala's like, I am. I am a spy. I infiltrated the path for the Empire. I couldn't talk about it because it would blow my cover. But yeah, I'm a spy. And Reva's like, huh. <laughs> I li- it's actually one of my favorite lines of the episode where Reva's like, I like a good liar. And I don't know which side you're on. But I'm intrigued and I kind of like you. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to take you and we're going to uh, interrogate you. But, you know, I kind of like your vibe. And Tala's like, okay, thanks. Well, um, I guess I'll go with you. But lucky for Tala, but unlucky for Ben and Leia, they run into a secret droid. And the secret droid sets off all the alarms, which makes Reva go, fuck, he's here. I'll come back for you. She runs out, and Tala looks at the guards, and then kicks their asses and goes out. Because <laughs> she's like, fuck all y'all. And then she calls she calls Ben. She's like, I'm coming to get you. And he's like, cool, because we have a problem here. Because he is fighting guards. All the guards are showing up, and he's, like, showing off his lightsaber skills, and, like, Leia's hiding behind um, rafters and stuff. But, oh, no. As he's fighting all the guards, he accidentally knocks a blaster bolt, into a window and the window's like i'm gonna crack and spill water all over you hold your breath and he's like oh god and he throws up his force with the one hand and the force is really hard but he's holding it there and he's like leia run he's bapping away more more blaster bolts and tala shows up and tala's just like oh my god i would you can't do anything without me can you and he's like no take leia get her to safety so she drags up a child and as the stormtroopers are starting to come closer, Ben lets go of the water wall and runs like hell. And it's a deluge coming in behind him. And I love that word, deluge. Deluge is a fun word. It's a deluge of water coming in behind him. And all the troopers are like, we're underwater now. And he's just like, get out of the hallway, get out of the hallway, run, run. And then he jumps through the door until it slams it closed. And then all the stormtroopers are floating dead in the water behind them. It's great. So Tala picks up a coat and a hat and she's like, Ben, 
you gotta be in season of Rebels. This is just like in Rebels. Put this on this coat. It's gonna be great. And we go to literally my favorite scene of the episode. They literally walk out with Leia under Ben's coat. I don't have any jokes. It's 10 for 10 perfection. I love the scene. I will talk about it in a second. Love it. It's it's great. But then Reva runs out there and she's just like, Tala, you traitor! I said you were a good liar! And Tala's like, well, that was your fault! Because I am a good liar! And I was never one of you! And all of our heroes are surrounded, and it looks dire. How are they going to get out of this? It's all bad. Until Wade and Sully show up in their little ships, and they start blasting, and they're all like, pew, pew, pew! And they're flying around, and they're shooting at stormtroopers and inquisitors, and our heroes run, and they jump on Sully's ship, and Sully's like, come on, Wade, let's go! And Wade's like, says the classic line, which means he's about to die, he goes, I'm right behind you. Never say that. Kaz said that, and then he got pulled onto the Colossus. You know, people say that all the time, and then they die. Luckily, Kaz didn't. It's just one of those lines you don't say in Star Wars. Because guess what? Reva throws a fucking bomb at him, and Raid Wade explodes. And then his ship falls in the water, and now he's wading water. <laughs> anyway, the good guys get away. Oh, and... he should have brought his, his hip waders. His water waders. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Anyway. Wait a minute, it gets worse. How? How does it get worse? I, just, I said, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> anyway, Wade's dead. But the rest of the heroes get away. Hooray! Well, Vader shows up and he's pissed. Like, really pissed. Like, he's actually walking fast, which must be really hard for him because he wait. Look at Vader's weight, everybody. He is not a light man with all that machinery. He, it's kind of an unreal how much he weighs. So the fact that he's walking that fast, you know he's really pissed. Google it. It's a lot. Anyway, he shows up. I, actually, now that I think about it, I don't think it's a lot. Ignore hope. I don't know. Do, do what you want with your life. It's fine. Uh, and he comes in and he's ready to kill Reva. But she pulls out her last minute back pocket plan. And she's just like, but Lord Vader, I let them go on purpose. And he looks at her, and he's just like, what? What do you mean? And she's like, I put a tracker on their ship, so we will both find the path and Kenobi, and we all win. And Vader's like, oh, that's neat. You better be right, or I will actually fucking kill you next time. Okay, bye. And Vader just walks out, and she's just like, whew, I'm so glad that worked. Because our heroes are back with Broken, and Sully is super duper sad because Wade is now gone, and Broken is sad, and, and Tala's comforting them, and Obi-Wan and Leia comfort each other, and they hold hands, and it all seems like a really nice scene as it comes to an end, but oh no, Lola wiggles out of Leia's pocket. And her eyes turn red because she's the tracker. Boom, boom, boom. Now I need to Google how much Vader weighs because I feel like it was ungodly amount. <laughs> how much does Darth Vader weigh? <laughs> Let's see. 
Uh, okay, it's not as much as I thought. Never mind. It's only a hundred. For some reason, I was thinking it, it was in like the four, three, four hundred range. I was very wrong. He is one ninety six. There's no way. No <laughs> way. I, I actually think, yeah, I think it depends on the, which cannon. Um, but I feel like, okay, here's another one. Another another uh, older one says 264, which I feel like is much closer. I feel like 264 is a much closer. Yeah, that, that, that might have been his body weight. Because that seems like a like somebody his size minus part of an arm and a leg. <laughs> And then the rest of it, I would think like 300 pounds once you put all the armor on it. Although they might have real lightweight, strong materials in, in the Empire. They should. But I want to start out with a note on your notes as I've noticed like the way you anthropomorphize monsters in this to where they're like, hi, I was hi. just now you're doing it to windows now the window's like hi i'm a broken window I'm a comfort what are you guys doing hi everyone new, new angle yeah <laughs> but uh i i like that scene a lot I, I i like the way the glass looks breaking and stuff the only part of it that doesn't work and this is just something about like they already and I didn't notice that Obi Wan wasn't wet when he got climbed in the soaking wet, which he should have been just dripping with his just outfit, slinging water like, everywhere. Yeah, he should have <laughs> just been sopping wet. But uh, when when the water does break and he runs ahead of it and they they close the door, that water was right on top of him. When that door closed, there should have been some water in action on the floor. Like on the, the floor was like pretty much dry. There there yeah. should have been. Like a splash of, they should have splashed some water and you know a good deal of water around sloshing on the floor. They do but, that in know, resistance. And that's it stuff works. I caught on. But that's stuff I caught on the second viewing of it. So you know, okay. Yeah. They and, do, and do it's that funny. resistance when they're out running the water and like some of the water comes through and slings like through the floor and stuff like that. Like they do do that in resistance. So you know, maybe and resistance like, is the superior show. Hot takes, I, I love shots fired. I love the just who the fuck is Wade thing because everybody's just like talking about it. Wade, Wade, it's Wade. No, Wade, Wade, it's it. Wade, yay, Wade's here. And it's like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, we, uh, we of course, we did see little glimpses of Wade. We saw before, him in one scene at the beginning. A lot of people griped about that or made fun of that, but it's, I don't know. It's, it, it, it's funny that you like the, the part with her in the jacket because a lot of people like were critiquing that, hating it. And I, I don't I know. It's just like it's it, it 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 makes sense, you know. There's general chaos going on, so they're just sort of whipping through there, and it's it's almost kind of humorous. But it's I people really got focused on that for some they, reason. They did, and actually, since we're here, let me go ahead and do my note on that one. So I was not expecting that here. Let me drink my. Mm. Here's the thing. I get that it's like Looney Tunes borderline shit. And it's funny. And when I, I remember the first time I saw it, I was just like, what the fuck, really? Are they it would really only have been this? funnier if she was riding on his shoulders and sticking out of it and like, hi, I'm an adult with little arms. I kind of wish like like he was holding her like in his arms. I think I would have sold it. But anyway, that's not the point. Here's why it's the best scene. Because it emphasizes the point of the Empire and why they fall. They are so far up their own asses 
especially the they walk right by the fifth brother and the fourth sister and the fifth yep. brother is so focused on being mad at Riva that no one notices them. And that is yeah. the point. It is. Yeah. It should Every, everybody not thereafter is right under their noses. And it, and it goes back to that like point in Andor of like, they're not expecting anybody yeah. to walk through with a child under their coat. And that's a thing. This should not work. But it does because of the Empire's hubris. So not only is it funny, the point is is that the Empire does it to themselves. If anybody was yep. actually doing their fucking job and not trying to one-up each other in this little system, they would have got caught so easily. Yep. But that's the point. And that's why I defend this scene because I love it. And it's cute as hell, too. I agree. Um... Thank I you. only have one other one other note, and uh, but besides that, there's some really nice music cues in this. Um, Leia grabs Obi Wan's ha- hand the same way Bernice, my cat, grabs my hat, my hand when she sits on my lap. Hmm. And I I forgot about that scene. Then I and when I saw it the second time, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. That brought, this brought a little tear to my eye the first time. <laughs> But that's all I got for Act 3. Yeah, I really like that scene at the end, too, because, like, Ben and Leia are, like, finally at this part point where, they're, like, they're really, truly trusting each other. And it's just a nice little... It, it's a nice little nonverbal scene. Like, once they... I think the last line is Roken just going, like, where's Wade? And, then like, no one says anything else because it's just the weight of, of the scene. And I, I think that's also kind of like a bit of an important moment for Leia as well, because we were saying that she kind of has this like sheltered princess role at the beginning, but now she's really starting to see the price of rebellion. You know, the price that she, these people paid to save her and one of them died. Yeah, they're, they're sitting opposite of two people crying. Obi-Wan understands totally what's going on. He's been there. She's just like, oh, my God, somebody's dead because of me. Mm-hmm. You know, like and not and and people have have died over her in this this show. But like now she's sitting across from the people who are like, you know, the people crying over that person, you know, the people who are close to them. And she also just like basically reclaimed Obi-Wan from the dead, too. So mm-hmm. and and in the last episode, we were talking about that was the episode where she finally was like, all right. I'm done with this. I just want to go home. I just want to go home. Mm-hmm. I started acting like a kid. And now it's gone even beyond that into where she's been in an in Imperial torture drome. And she's, uh, uh, yeah, she's just so happy to have Obi-Wan alive and be on the way, hopefully on the, on the way home, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like that scene at the end. Um, can we talk about Tala and how good she is in that scene? Oh, it's... well, for one, A, she didn't just cut, like, when someone says usually in a Star Wars movie, cause a distraction, it's like set a fire somewhere or something. Make something she hops, explode. She hops into the fire. She goes right to Reva. She goes right to Spar with an Inquisitor, you know? She doesn't she doesn't mess around. She's going to like I'm surprised 
Reva was probably picking up mixed message of, of it because she's acting as a spy. She might have been acting so well that she was in character that Reva's like, she's really mad at me for, for you know, digging on her spy prowess, which is true because she's an, she has been spying and, and she's just lying about who she's been spying for. Because isn't yeah, like it's, in it's like spy movies, awesome. like the be- like the cliche is the best lies has a bit of the truth wrapped around it. Oh yeah, 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 and uh, and and also like, it, or they'll say like, I think that person does believe their lie because they've convinced themselves that their lie is true, and that's what acting is. You know, you're convincing yourself a, a basically a lie is true, and and going with it and making it realistic. So yeah, that that's a great scene, and it also, and it also like, you know, I mean, all the inquisitors are are going to be port, port, trying to portray themselves as super badasses that you can't mess with, but not really. They they're still you, you can we, still we, they can't. We firmly read. establish that they are a bunch of like goobers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And and I like that. They're just they're just they're they're all show really. They're, they're lackeys. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I love that scene too, and especially because I, the fact that she even impresses Reva, where Reva's like, "Wow, yeah, you huh. got some balls on you." <laughs> yeah, uh, just a little line of like, "I like a good liar." I literally have no idea if you're telling me the truth or not. Good job. Like she's very impressed. Uh, yeah. So. God, like Tala, we've moved on as a fandom too fast from Tala. She's such a good fucking character. <laughs> so good. Um, it makes me like want to write like write a thing about her, and I, I might have to for work, because like I'm just becoming more and more obsessed with this character. Um, I was actually reminded of this uh, when I was like doing my notes and stuff like that. Um, by I, I think it was Alex Damon, actually. Um, it had to be, because I watched his review of this episode. And he brought up a line from the High Republic novel, Light of the Jedi. And essentially, to paraphrase the line, is a Jedi is at their best when they're helping people. And that's exactly when Obi-Wan's full strength starts to come back. Like, when he's by himself sneaking around, like, he's still kind of struggling a little bit. But the moment that Leia's in danger, and that water a wall is coming for her, like, that's when, like, it's like Obi-Wan unleashed. <laughs> and yeah. and he becomes his best to save her. And it just it, it was a really nice kind of connection to that. Um I do love the line from Act One. I, I know we've been making fun of Wade, but um, I like the line from Act One from it, it was either Sully or Wade, I don't remember which one, but they say specifically they're not soldiers, they're just everyday people. But that's exactly who the rebellion is built on. It's built on everyday people. And but not just in Star Wars, like that's what every rebellion, even in our real world, is built on, is just everyday people. Yeah. And well, they that, they actually have a line later on where they're like, "I guess we're soldiers now." Actually, <laughs> I, I was just about to. Say, I just realized that like that is the last line of the episode. I think is is Tala going, "I guess you're soldiers now," and yeah. that's a hard hitting line as well because I'm sure Tala was an everyday person at one point. You know, she was just probably someone who got a job with the Empire because she needed to work and she was an everyday person. And then it she realized how wrong it was and became something more. And that's like the point of it. Because like now, like Sully has transcended upwards and like Roken's about to transcend also in the next episode. Like, I actually forgot how little of a role Roken had in this episode. But 
if I remember correctly, he's a really big role in the next two episodes. Because I, I remember, I, I, I know he has a scene somewhere with Haja, because Haja comes back. And everyone's like, please give Roken and Haja a path show, <laughs> please, and thank you. Which I want. I want a path show. I think that would be really fun with uh, Haja and Roken as the leads. Um, but, yeah. I, I just really like that scene. Um, and the only other uh, note I have is it is 100% covering her own ass because I don't think she planned it. But I do like how Riva does cover her own ass by planting a tracking device on Lola. Because in the case that Obi-Wan did get away, which he does, she at least has her bases covered so yeah. Vader doesn't kill her. <laughs> and it does show, it gives her like this kind of slightly like more, and maybe it's just because she's one of like the like protagonists of the show. Because like the fifth brother has like always been like a side character in everything he's been in. You know, he's never been the main character. So he just does, he does really kind of seem like a lackey. Like, Riva feels like a step above them because she's a protagonist, and that's just the power of protagonists. Um, but she's like, Well, too. I think she has, the, the, other, the other ones are just after power. The, yeah. The, the other ones, as, as far as, you know, they... they as far as we know. <laughs> she, yeah, but she has, she has what makes her, she's actually not a real inquisitor because she is in the, she's in it for her own thing that's separate from like, I'm going to be the greatest inquisitor. She's, she's trying for power within the inquisitors, but just to, just to fuel her goal. So to be a means to an end. Yeah. So, so, and she's not completely in the, the mindset as, as the rest of them because she's not that she's, she's after her closure with Obi-Wan. It's her More than anything. With... After that, she probably doesn't care. You, you know, she might like if she got to kill Obi Wan, she might have just been like, "Actually, I'm but that's take the thing. Now. It's not closure with Obi Wan. It's closure with Vader because she wants revenge on Vader, not Obi Wan. He's the means to an end for her because he she yeah. tries to kill because she's trying to get revenge on him for killing all her little youngling friends and stabbing her because that's how she knows that Anakin is Vader. Um, because she was there and he stabbed her and that's how she knows, um, which is revealed like in like, I think, I think that's, it's either next episode or, or episode six. I, I think it's next episode that we get that reveal. So, and, and that's the whole point. Um, but she's lucky because regardless of his little plan with Grande to set her up for failure, he was ready to kill her. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, like he is not one to be, he was like, fuck Grande's plans. I'm going to go kill this person. <laughs> so... But I, I just like seeing how, how she. I, I wouldn't put her on like a 4D chess level, but she's definitely playing 3D chess while the Inquisitors are still on like I don't know checkers. <laughs> yeah, she's she's definitely a lot more. So, but that's all I have for this episode. Did you have anything else? I do not. All right, well, score it up for me, Chris. I gave this one an 8.5. It wasn't up in the intensity of a nine episode, but it's a solid. It's a solid episode. Maybe I had a little low expectations coming into it, but I really like this episode. You know, I think this is like the second or third time this show we've matched. I also gave it an 8.5. Um, oh. I, I I think some of it was because I was expecting next week's episode to be this one. So uh, I was just like, oh, it's this episode. Oh, my God. 
Um, but I also just, like, I love everything with the Inquisitors. I, the Jedi tomb is haunting. I love seeing Obi-Wan bouncing back. And, like, yeah, there's a few, like, little wonky things here and there. But, yeah, it's, it's, Tala carries this fucking episode for me, and she's great. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I also give it an 8.5. Well, as always, we would love to hear feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. And we have a Discord now. So if you want to join our Discord, let us know and we'll send you an invite. And you can come talk with us over on Discord and, like, yep. see stuff. And so people will be popping them around, popping invites to the... We have a generic invite to the Discord link and it'll be popping around on the Two True Freaks. I don't know. I don't think we can post it on Twitter. I think Twitter doesn't allow now... But what I we, I can social media things, but I think on Facebook, people will be you know occasionally. So if you you're on Two True Freaks on Facebook, you might see a link to our Discord. But that said, I do think that if you DM me on Twitter, I can. Send oh, for you a sure. Link. I can send oh, you a private sure. link. So if you want to join us on yeah, on yeah. Discord, just like let us know and yeah. come hang out the with us. The easiest way is just to to contact us, and we'll send you one. But if you're if you're bopping around, you might see one, and you know. Go check it out. Yeah. Um, but again, we like to be like record ahead of ourselves and we're starting to catch up on our feedback a little bit this week. So I'm gonna take one more week break because we like I said, we are starting to catch up on ourselves. We're and I want to give you guys a little time to get some feedback. So we will for sure get back to feedback next week. For sure. Um, because you know, I like hearing from you guys and stuff. So yeah. All right. Well, I don't have anything else. Do you? I do not. I think next week's episode is when my grande is back in one of my favorite scenes. It's the hello scene, and I'm very excited because I think it's <laughs> oh, there. He just comes in. He's just like hello. It's the <laughs> it's the whatever line he says. It's just like you'll be a surprise how much you want to live with cold revenge in your heart or something campy that I love. You so, probably weren't a Laverne and Shirley watcher, but he does a Lenny and Squiggy entrance. <laughs> Whenever those characters entered saw that sitcom, they would go, hello. Yeah. So, well, Chris, where can we find you? Um, As we just mentioned, we are on Discord now, and you can also find us uh, on Facebook on the Two True Freaks podcast page and the Two True Freaks Cantina. Our main home, I switched it up a little this week. Our main home is on twotruefreaks.com. That's our, our Two True Freaks run website. And uh, we have all our podcasts there. You can go there, sign up for the RSS feeds, and consume that way. Um, we are also on the accursed and and quickly degenerating Twitter. Um, and the brave soul that runs that is Gene Gene, the podcast binging machine. Gene Gene. And that's basically where you can find me. Where can they find? You hope. Uh, you we didn't can... call each other by our names passive aggressively as much this episode. We've been doing it more lately, but we we we've again again pulled back on it. Hope. I know, Chris. We have, haven't we, Chris? Mm. It's too late now, Hope. It's too late now. The show's almost over, Hope. Is it really, Chris? Is it Chris? Really, Chris? Oh, it is, Hope. It's very close to being done. All right, Chris. Well, I'm. I guess Hear we that are. music playing? That's our, that's our where can you find us music. That means it's almost done. Well, Chris, I will then just, just kind say of we're... peppy music, though, Hope. It, it is actually very peppy. 
Uh, you can find me at Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter accounts. You can also find me at Hope Molinax. I do have my link tree on there, so you can actually find everything I do, including writing uh, for Dark Side of the Force. I'm one of the contributors there. Um, actually, depending on when this episode comes out, we are tentatively planning some like cool Rebel stuff, because March 5th is the 5th anniversary of Rebels ending. So that's always fun. Um, you can also find me over at the Geeky Waffle. I'm a staff writer. I'm currently reviewing The Bad Batch over there. I've also been doing a lot more on the Waffle YouTube. So you can definitely hear me doing more and more videos over there. Like I mentioned at the top, I just recorded something uh, for the for Interview with the Vampire Season 2. I'm going to be doing something with Legends of Vox Machina on Sunday. Both of those, One of those should definitely be out by now. The vampire one's going to probably take a little bit more editing. So that one might not be out by now. Um, so you can all check that over there and also go check out for light and dice, which is my other project that I do. Um, it is a role play, uh, a tabletop, a real play tabletop RPG podcast, lots of letters, letter salad. Um, and it's just me and my friends rolling dice going on a fun star Wars adventure. You heard it a few weeks ago. Um, so yeah, check out for light and dice as well. So all right, I guess we will be back next week. I, I shouldn't even say I guess. We will be back next week. <laughs> I guess we'll be oh, back. Oh, you guess all right. Good I guess. I just show up. <laughs> Actually, that's not, that's not true. We'll be like yeah. back <laughs> next week, I guess, with like something, like podcast or something and, I don't and know. stuff. I did have the realization where I had to stop and look it up that we are two years away from, not this January, but next January will be Jake Guy's 10th anniversary. Wow. I know. I Because I had a moment of like, I was talking with somebody and I was like, yeah, I've been doing J-Guys for eight years. And then I had to stop and I was like, have we been doing J-Guys longer? And I had to... Actually, I think we're on year You've nine. You've been actually. saying eight years for a while, basically. <laughs> well, I think actually we're on year nine, actually. Hold on. Uh, yeah, I think... I, I mean, this January 10 years would be 520 episodes. It would be a little higher than 520. Well, no, because we haven't been doing we like have a more lot than one of episode points. a week. Yeah, we have a it lot would... of like point fives and stuff. We have a probably but about... Th th then we've missed a couple... There's been a couple weeks for some reason we've missed it, but very few of those. But still, somewhere Let's... in the 520s will mark 10 years. Let's see. Our first episode was the first week of 2016. So, 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, 23. So, we, so this year, we're on our... This is our seventh year. So, okay. So Never yeah, mind. 2026. 20, we're looking so, at 10 years. Yeah, so... It's don't, coming. I don't know how to do math. So, never mind. We are now three years away, I guess. I don't fucking know anymore. <laughs> it's just proof that we're getting... That's, that's getting old proof is when you start going, what was it, five years? No, it was ten years ago. I don't no, know. I had to, yeah, I had to think about it. I was like, have we yeah. been doing Jagas for yeah. like eight years? No, we're about to go in our eighth year, so never mind. I don't know how to I do see, math. I, I see music that's 20 years old, and I and I feel like it was out, like it was new music five years ago. You know what I mean? Right. I hear stuff from the 90s, and I think of it as new music, so. Right? <sighs> Like, I hear stuff like 2013, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, that just came out. What that are you talking just happened. About? Yeah, that just happened. <laughs> like, uh, here, here's a good thing of shows that happened 10 years ago. You're all ready to feel old. Uh, Bob's Burgers started. Um, 
Let's see, what else? Uh, wow, Jesse was still on the air. Uh, Phineas and Ferb was doing their thing. Gravity Falls started, because um, I know that they, I just wrote a 10 year anniversary from them. Um, the reboot of Whose Line Is It Anyway was still there. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was just starting, so, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was still on the air. <laughs> so, there's some, uh, there's some, like, uh, feeling old. If you're feeling old, have fun. Um, let's see, uh, Orphan Black was still on. So. I don't even know what that is. So, there's some, there's some, like, fun things for you. Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Not even Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, the spinoff show. Hannibal was on the air. Sleepy Hollow was still on the air. See, I feel, I feel like Hannibal I started watching and then I trailed off and I was like, I gotta finish that. It was fantastic. And then, and I feel like that was like two years ago. Orphan Black started. Um... So, yeah, I hope you all feel thoroughly old because uh, that all just happened. Because uh, we do. Yeah. And misery likes company. We're all getting old and dying. We're all getting old and dying like Terrace and Ube. Well, yeah. Okay, bye. That's from birth, so what the hell. There you go. I hope you all feel bad now. I love you. Bye. All right, see you next time. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) On that dark note. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids, good night.
We're off. Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards. 